Will Eli Drinkwitz be the Missouri football coach in 2024? Well, that's the big question, and I'm going to tackle it, but I want to hear from all of you as well. Plus, which Missouri basketball players from the past would have actually done better in today's era? Well, let's talk about that and more coming up right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. Thanks for sending a friend over to LockedOnMizzou.com to find all your pertinent links to YouTube and wherever you find, of course, finer audio podcasts. And you know what? I thought today would be a good day for whatever reason, just my gut feeling to talk about the bottom line for Missouri this coming season. We all know Eli Drinkwitz is going to be the coach in 2023, no doubt about that. But 2024? I think that's an open question at this point. And if you're a betting man, I'm not even talking about I'm not even talking about what you want to happen. If you had to bet a significant chunk of change one way or the other, do you think Eli Drinkwitz is Missouri's coach in 2024 to open that campaign, yes or no? Well, I got to be honest, I, I posed this question to my Mizzou mail group, and I was leaning toward no. I had to force myself to say no, to be really honest. But I was actually heartened to see that the vast majority of the rest of my group was betting on yes, because quite frankly, even though at least that day I was leaning toward the no answer, I'd much rather the answer is yes. I'd much rather, of course, that everything goes right next season for Missouri. Maybe they go eight and four, nine and three, something like that, and everything is all good. And this seems like a, hopefully this seems like a ridiculous question to even ask here this time next season. But we also have to be realistic. Let's look at the other side of the equation. Because this certainly is a big season for Drinkwitz one way or the other. Because at a certain point, while the metrics, say the advanced analytics, all that stuff, actually all agree that this was indeed Drinkwitz's best season yet. The 2022 Missouri football team was the best of his three squads so far. But... It didn't show up in the record book, did it? Once again, another 500 campaign, and for the second straight year, another bowl loss. You're looking at actually a losing record if you include the bowl for two straight years. Again, let's hope Missouri wins eight games plus next year and Kirby Moore pans out as the offensive coordinator because that's that's definitely a much better result. I'm just saying I'm not sure that I can bet on that for the moment, especially when you consider the schedule for Missouri. Let's break it down really simply. We're looking at almost sure sure wins, sure losses, and toss-ups, right? You can basically look at it like that. So Missouri starts off the season at home against South Dakota and Tennessee and Middle Tennessee, excuse me. I'll give them a couple I'll give them a couple wins there for sure. But then you got Kansas State in week three. I mean, can we really say that was a toss-up? I'm going to have to put that probably in the likely loss column, folks. I hate to say it. Let's just be realistic about it. Now, Memphis 
at the Dome. A solid team. By the way, guess who we're going to be playing against in Memphis this coming fall? None other than former Missouri receiver Towski Dove, who via the transfer portal fell out of the portal and wound up in Memphis, Tennessee. So we'll see Towski at the Dome at America's Center on September 23rd next year. But Memphis is a solid team, but I still got to give Missouri a likely victory there. And I'll even be kind and give Missouri a likely victory against Vanderbilt. Okay? Even though at Vanderbilt, it was a little tricky a couple years ago. Certainly it was tricky last year at Faroe Field, too, for as much as we want to talk about the games that Missouri could have won. Well, they pretty easily could have lost that Vanderbilt game if a couple things go the other way there, too. But you know what? I'm feeling generous, and I am an optimistic Tiger fan. So I'll say, sure, Vanderbilt That'll get Missouri to four likely victories. And I got to say, in terms of if you're looking for any likely victories, well, that's it. Now, at best, you're saying toss-ups on the rest of this schedule. Listen to this. Home LSU at Kentucky. Home South Carolina at Georgia versus Tennessee versus Florida at Arkansas. Did any of those sound like a game that you can just put away as a Missouri victory. Well, the reigning SEC West champions coming to Faroe Field, I'm going to go ahead and say that's not a toss-up. I know Missouri beat LSU the last time they played in Columbia, but I'm going to respect Brian Kelly and that program and give that one to LSU. At Kentucky, hate to say it, same deal. There's no reason to believe from the last few years that, that Missouri's just going to go down to Kentucky and win. That's another likely loss, in my opinion. South Carolina at home will throw that into the toss-up column. At Georgia, loss. Tennessee at home, hate to say it, that's another likely loss. Florida at home, toss-up. And at Arkansas, ooh, when was the last time Missouri won at Arkansas? Been a while. Been since 2017, I do believe. So, I don't know, guys. That's a tough one. I'll throw that into the toss-up column just to be just to be optimistic, quite honestly. So here's what we're looking at. We're looking at four likely victories and three toss-ups. So in order for Missouri to go 7 and 5 next year, they got to win all three of those toss-up games. Do you really want to quibble with any of those likely losses maybe at Kentucky? I don't know, that's a tough one to me. You're really basing a lot on faith there if that's what you're going with. But again, let's get back to those metrics for a second because while I do think too often we analyze sports just simply on the spreadsheet these days, over the course of a season, especially not individual numbers but team-based numbers, I do put a lot of stock in the fact that this was Missouri's significantly its best team under Drinkwitz. So for a moment, let's put the 2023 record, whatever it ends up being, against for uh, uh, to the side for just a moment. Because there is a world where, yes, this team could actually improve and yet have a fairly similar record to the last few seasons. So to me, the bottom line for Eli Drinkwitz and this program is it has to show progress on offense particularly in the passing game. Kirby Moore has got to improve this offense one way or the other. And and if he doesn't, well, guess what? He can't just fall on the sword anymore like past 
defensive coordinators have because this is all on Drinkwitz at this point. It's his hire. This is the guy he brought in for a decent amount of money to hopefully help him improve this offense. And hopefully those close games that Missouri, some close losses that Missouri suffered last year, for instance, maybe just make just that little bit of difference to put them over the hump and get some real results that are truly going to get this program hopefully headed in the right direction and keep fans excited. And coming up, well, I think we can be pretty sure that Dennis Gates is going to be around next year, right? A nice start for Missouri, despite the last couple games. And really, the style that Missouri under Gates has played so far has been kind of a reflection of where pro basketball has been going for a few years now. So I like that trend for sure. But it also got me thinking, you know, there's some Missouri players from the past, three in particular, who had excellent careers overseas. I think actually if they were just a little bit younger and happened to be in this era instead, well, I actually think there's a good chance that those guys are NBA players. And I want to talk about that threesome coming up. But first, I want to tell you about Built Bar because this time of year, of course, we've finally pushed through the holidays. And the last thing you want to do is just keep put, keep packing on the calories and the sugar and all that nonsense. Well, I got a solution for you. It's called Built Bar because despite not being loaded with tons of calories and sugar and all the nonsense that you don't want, Built Bar is actually a delicious treat that also is packed full of protein as well. And again, what makes it so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, you heard me. Real chocolate with unbelievable flavors like peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. From my experience, anything built bar and coconut tastes pretty darn good, in my opinion. And by the way, we've been telling you for years about how you can get built bars at built.com. Well, now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club as well. If you're close to Sam's here in town, run in, grab a box of 13 bars with our hit flavors, including brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later over at Built.com, Walmart, or Sam's Club. Thanks for making Locked On Mizzou your first listen today. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one pod. Plus, hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. That's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, you always come to me for college basketball as well, right? I've been watching the sport for decades and decades and decades now, officially as a 40-year-old man. Well, I can tell you this, with all of that wisdom I've accumulated over time, I'm telling you folks, Ricky Paulding, the former Missouri basketball player, when you really look at it, that guy was ahead of his time because when Ricky came out in 2004 from Missouri, I believe 04, 05, now I'm forgetting which draft he would have been in. It would have been 04, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Regardless, that era of NBA basketball, well, it was just on the cusp of starting to change quite a bit. 
not only with a major rule change in that era that eliminated illegal defense, but, well, the Steve Nash-led Phoenix Suns would take advantage of that rule change and start to play with much more pace, space, and offense, much more of an emphasis on putting five guys on the court who can score the basketball. And in particular, as the years have gone along here, well, that Phoenix Suns team, which was called seven seconds or less, that was how fast they played basketball. Well, in today's NBA, that team would be, I believe, 30th in the league, dead last in terms of the amount of three-pointers that they attempted in a game, for instance. So to me, you look at Ricky Paulding's game, he came into a time, a professional NBA game that was much slower, much much more based on post-play, much more based on size and defense and all that stuff. Well, today's day, it's much more based on, hey, can you score the basketball? Can you can you put can you knock down a three pointer and but actually guard somebody as well? Well, I promise you. Look at Ricky Paulding's sophomore season. The year, gosh darn it, it was his sophomore season, right? I need to look this up really quick. But anyway, his sophomore or junior season when he played against Dwayne Wade, I believe it was his junior season. Now that I think about it, sorry for not having that right off the top of my head, but regardless. He could have came out early after putting up massive numbers against Marquette and Dwayne Wade that season, obviously the Hall of Fame NBA basketball player. He shot 44% from three that entire season with obviously sick Ricky Paulding-like athleticism. Yeah, we could have turned him into a pretty good pro-level defender too. I'm sure he figured out how to play defense considering what an excellent player he was overseas for years. He's exactly the type of player that if you transported, again, him in time, that guy 20 years ahead to today, to me there's no doubt he's a first-round pick. I think you could also say much the same thing about a guy who came, you know, 7 to 10 years later or so, Marcus Denman. I think the same thing with him. Yes, he was drafted by the San Antonio Spurs, obviously a really smart team, but the Spurs didn't totally change their style of play until, again, just a few seasons after Marcus Denman was drafted. And then the Spurs were sort of on the vanguard when they won their last championship with Tim Duncan. Well, really, they were on the vanguard of actually playing this fast pace, shoot a lot of threes, get guys who can move the ball and and actually do something with the basketball instead of just, you know, putting big stiffs in the paint, which is a lot of what the era of the NBA I grew up on. Also, a guy who came even earlier than Ricky Paulding, you're telling me Melvin Booker, as good of a ball handler and shooter as he was, that his particular skill set wouldn't have been valued in today's game more than it was back in the mid-90s? I don't think there's any question about that. You see, back then... The idea was, well, you can't have smallish guards. They'll get eaten alive. Well, these days, the idea is, hey, you can't have guards who can't play. Melvin Booker could play. I promise you that. So to me, you look at Melvin Booker, if you just shot him ahead to today's era and somehow made him the same age as his son, Devin, well, I'm not saying he'd be as good as his son, but I think he could have played and hung around in the NBA for a while for sure. You guys have any other names like that? I'd love to hear it at Locked on Mizzou, anywhere on social media, or hit me up, email 
LockedOnMizzouGmail.com. And coming up, some more transfer portal news that I didn't get to last week. In my absence for the football field, a big one literally and, well, another one that isn't so big in terms of size but at an important position. So let's talk about the gridiron after these quick words. I think if there's one thing all of the transfer portal additions from Missouri have in common, quite obviously, it's that Drinkwitz wants all of these guys to play. At the very least, have a chance to compete, without a doubt. And I think that definitely holds holds true for Marcellus Johnson. Eastern Michigan offensive lineman had offers from Auburn, South Carolina, Kansas, Oklahoma State, Coach Prime in Colorado. So a really high-demand three-year starter from Eastern Michigan once again. So a guy that should come in and compete for a starting role immediately. In fact, I would probably expect him, that is Marcellus Johnson, to start on that offensive line next year if if I were a betting man. I think you you can see why Missouri would want to upgrade that position. Let's put it that way. And also with the punter position up for grabs, Jack Stonehouse transferred to Syracuse. Sean Ketting has run out of eligibility. Well, Missouri went to Towson University. Riley Williams, actually an an Australian, excuse me, punter. Not just Australian style, although I would suspect that, but but no, he is actually an Australian guy. Riley Williams, again, from Towson. So possibly possibly your starting punter next year. We shall see. I imagine that will be a competition, but obviously Missouri adding some some blood there at that position at, at what is obviously an important position. You don't want to just take punter for granted whatsoever. But again, thank you all so much for being patient last week while I was out. I certainly don't take your listenership for granted whatsoever. And you know what? How about you check out Locked On College Basketball once again for experts and insights only Locked On can provide. They're going to take you through the entire world of college basketball, the biggest stories every single day. It's exactly what you've come to expect from us here at Locked On. And you know what? Here's what to expect from me tomorrow. How about a preview of the Missouri-Arkansas basketball game? So until then, I'm John Miller. And this has been Locked on Mizzou.